0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. The second Sunday of Easter is more commonly known as Divine Mercy Sunday. Our gospel passage this weekend contains the infamous Doubting Thomas episode, and it's the same each year. But the first and second readings for Divine Mercy Sunday change depending upon the year, so we'll tackle those two first before looking at the Gospel. We're given an idyllic picture of the early Christian community in our first reading. It's from the second chapter of Acts of the Apostles, and the author tells us that these followers devoted themselves to the teaching of the Apostles and to the communal life, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. This phrase, breaking of bread, Marks what would become a distinct meal of Christian fellowship, in which they believe the presence of the risen Lord would join them at table. Recall that St. Luke, the author of Acts of the Apostles, included a story at the end of his Gospel, which is something like Part 1 to this Part 2, Acts of the Apostles, in which, on the road to Emmaus, followers of Jesus recognized him in the breaking of the bread. Here, these early Christians are also breaking bread as a community. Later in the passage, St. Luke describes how all who believed were together and had all things in common. He's quite likely making a passing reference to what was a very common pop culture phrase at the time. Friends hold all things in common, or in Greek, tois filiois pantakoina." Think of it as how today we might hear someone say, birds of a feather flock together, right? Well, the same is true with tois filiois pantakoina." and many among these first followers of Jesus would have been quite familiar with the phrase friends hold all things in common. St. Peter is addressing not a flock of birds, but a newly baptized flock of believers in our second reading. Because the first letter of Peter frequently makes references not only to baptism itself, but also numerous elements associated with baptism, such as hymns and creeds, many scholars believe that the first letter of Peter is an ancient baptismal homily. And like any good homily at a baptism, St. Peter tells the newly baptized to get ready for the life ahead of them as they seek to attain the goal of their faith, the salvation of their souls. The passage we'll hear as our second reading this weekend is the very beginning of this baptism homily. It starts with a prayer of praise to God, continues with a note on suffering, which those being baptized can now start to expect, and then it ends with an encouragement about the devotion to Jesus he's noticed among these believers. St. Peter tells these devoted and now baptized believers that they've received an inheritance kept in heaven for them that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. An imperishable and unfading inheritance was a rare commodity in the ancient world. Many factors could cause a family to lose an inheritance in the blink of an eye, such as invaders, swindlers, famines, droughts, and even a wayward child, as we hear in a parable of Jesus. This makes an imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance all the more attractive. And what's more, there's an alliteration to these three adjectives, which we lose in English. In Greek, all three of these adjectives begin with the letter alpha. This alpha is an antithetical alpha, something like what we have in English with the prefix un. So we could get a sense of the alliteration St. Peter uses here if we bend proper grammar rules for just a moment and retranslate this inheritance as unperishable, undefiled, and unfading. We've tackled our gospel reading twice before on Sunday Setup, so if you'd like to listen to more background on this passage from the 20th chapter of St. John's Gospel, you can always go back and listen to a previous setup for the second Sunday of Easter in either years B or C. Nonetheless, perhaps the most intriguing insight into our gospel passage involves a Roman emperor. Domitian ruled as emperor of Rome from about 81 to 96 AD, and during his rule, he liked others to refer to him as Dominus et Deus, or translated from Latin, Lord and God. In fact, he had this inscribed in his palace, Dominus et Deus. Now, John's gospel was believed to have been compiled and written down sometime between 90 and 100 AD, right smack dab in the middle of Domitian's heyday. And when the story of St. Thomas's confession of faith in Jesus is recorded, what are the words in Thomas's mouth when he beholds the risen Jesus? Dominus et Deus, my Lord and my God. These words of Thomas very well could be the author's subtle dig at Domitian, who claimed to be the Lord and God. It's almost as if the author is saying, look, we Christians know who really is Lord and God here. It's Jesus. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this second Sunday in Easter in year A. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.